You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. Here at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo, I'm fascinated by Juba, which is a new little baby rhino right here. You can see Juba is Swahili for brave, and they named, and here comes mom, but they named him Juba, and there she is. Now, mom is 2,600 pounds. Now, this is the morning shower. This is like a little morning ritual with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. my God. There we go. There's the morning ritual. I gotta love that one. She just said, hey, pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> good times in the rain of our good times. Kidding. It smells ripe in here now. Let me tell you, that is so, that is so funny. Yeah. How's yeah. that working for you? <laughs> Look how fast they move. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what they have for breakfast? You didn't put any beans in that diet there? No beans? No, no, just firstly hay and grain. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. Also, I have a cold, and we may have to stop for snot. (laughs) We will edit the snot out, but... You know, we may have to just pause for snot. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Today we are talking about the rhinoceros. Rhinos. (laughs) But first, listener mail. All right, we are going to start today with a note from my Aunt Cindy up in Indiana. She says, Paul, I have been listening to a lot of the podcasts lately. Last night, I listened to Varmints number 28 about mosquitoes. Remember that one? Yeah. Do you remember that I mentioned that my Uncle Joe was in Vietnam and that he contracted malaria? Yeah. Okay, so my Aunt Cindy says, I never heard that. So I asked Uncle Joe this morning. He said he never had malaria. Somehow, I guess this is a misunderstanding somewhere. Maybe passed down through the years. Yes, it is. I, I heard it from another family member. Ah. She says, I am really enjoying the podcasts. I listened to some before, got busy, and forgot to listen to them. That's okay. That happens. Hmm. For over a month, I started back at number one kangaroos. I listened to number 29 beavers this morning. And she says, keep up the good work. I try to listen to about four a week. And she said this about three or four weeks ago. So she's probably almost caught up. <laughs> and then cool. as a little PS, she said, Uncle Joe just told me what he did get was a bad sunburn on his ample nose. <laughs> 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 Uncle Joe and Aunt Cindy are wonderful and terrific people, and I am so happy to hear that Uncle Joe did not get malaria in Vietnam. Yeah, me too. That's awesome. Yeah. The podcast Odd Dad Out. It's a really funny podcast. It is not safe for work. There is a bit of swearing in it. It's uh, a dad, he's a stay-at-home dad, and he records a podcast. And he found our podcast, and he loved it, and he gushed about it on his podcast to the point where 
he even did his own Rugrat corner, which was really cool. So I'm going to play that right now. Speaking of kids, the, the, the one segment on the show that's really cool and it's kind of like really uh, hammers in that it is a show aimed what well, kind of aimed at parents and children to have fun and learn about animals is the Rugrats Corner where they have a kid come on and kind of say something they you know, know or a fact or something about the animal of the day and as such who better to bring on and, and talk about varmints than my two oldest boys and kind of the ones that are more articulate in this matter oh trust me the little ones wanted to be on too but I figured that would just be too much chaos for one show so here is a little bit I did with my two older boys Charlie and Damien so since they do the Rugrat corner on varmints I've invited two of my Rugrats to join me today to talk about the show because this is a show that I actually let my kids listen to. So I guess I will introduce you. Uh, go ahead. Uh, what's your name and how old are you? Hi, my name is Charlie and I'm eight years old. Hi, my name is Damien and I'm five years old. And Charlie... We, where do we listen to varmints? We would normally listen to varmints on the way to school and back from school. Hey, Damien, you like listening to varmints? I like listening to varmints, yes. <laughs> What's your favorite <laughs> show? What's your favorite animal that they talked about? My favorite animal is polar bears. You like the polar bears? Yeah. What about you, Charlie? What was your favorite animal? My favorite animal from Varmints was actually Komodo dragons. <laughs> Alright. So, hey, Damien, what is your favorite animal? My favorite animal is an elephant because it because it drinks water and, and it splashes <laughs> it all over it with its trunk. What about you, Charlie? What's your favorite animal? My favorite animal is, is a black bear because their colors of their fur, they change depending on the season. And That's pretty cool. And they're mostly only in caves or forests. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if they've done a show on black bears yet. I think we'd have to look. But that'd be pretty cool. All right. Well, I do want to... We're going to keep it quick. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Damien, for coming on really for this little bit. And, and talking about varmints and talking about your favorite animals because it was cool. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Charlie and Damien. That was thank awesome. You. And thank you, Adam, from Odd Dad Out. He gave me permission to use that little clip. I just thought it was delightful. And if you want your Rugrat featured on the podcast, we make it really, really super easy for you. You can email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com or just tell us in the Varmints discussion group. Reach out to us there. And uh, all you need is a mobile phone or a tablet. You don't need any special equipment. You can remain anonymous and your kid can remain anonymous if you want to. 
eight years of age and older is like wonderful if they're talking nonsense and, and, and gibberish and they don't, you know, they're, as long as they're funny and it's about a minute long, it's it's perfect. Doesn't matter. The littler they are, the better it is, it seems Absolutely. like. Absolutely. It's so hilarious. So. <laughs> yep. We like gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It brings a little lightness to it so that we, we don't take ourselves so seriously. You know? Well, just a reminder, everybody, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word, and at Podcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, or stories and suggestions, or rug rat stuff you want to send us. <laughs> if you like the show, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. We also have a Pinterest board, which I try to keep updated with pictures of the animal that we're talking about that day. And the show, the link for that is always in our show notes at the bottom of the page. So let's go ahead and learn a little bit about rhinos. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about rhinoceroses today. The rhinoceros, or rhino for short, which we'll probably be, we'll probably be saying rhino more often than not, is one of the five living species of odd-toed ungulates. And those are mammals that are characterized by an odd number of toes and by hindgut fermentation with somewhat simple stomachs. So rhinos are related to zebras and tapirs. Rhinos are native to portions of Africa and Asia, and they are one of the largest land mammals by mass. White rhinos are second only to elephants in weight. Uh, white rhinos can stand at about six and a half feet or about two meters at the shoulder, and males can weigh up to 5,000 pounds or about 2,400 kilos. The smallest rhino, the Sumatran rhino, is a mature one of those can stand a little over four feet tall or a meter and a half at the shoulder and weigh up to 1,500 pounds or about 700 kilos, so still a pretty big animal. Yeah, that's the small one. <laughs> that's the little one. All rhinos are characterized by their large, round, gray, and mostly hairless bodies and heads. They have one or two horns of varying length, depending on the species. The typical cartoon rhino with the large hump on its back and the huge horn on the front of its skull is usually like a white rhino, although very often cartoon rhinos tend to be a blend of characteristics of other rhinos as well. The word rhinoceros is a Greek compound word, rhino meaning nose and charis meaning horn. It was only in 1884 that the first occurrence of rhinoceros being shortened to rhino was documented, so that the shortened form hasn't been around all that long, and it's pretty common. Like cattle, male rhinos are called bulls, females are called cows, and young rhinos are called calves. Due to illegal poaching, unfortunately, the most optimistic estimate is that there are approximately 30,000 rhinos in the wild across all five species. There are less than 100 each of the Sumatran and Javan rhinos, and the most endangered subspecies is the northern white rhino. There are three of those left in captivity. They are under heavy guard, just three of them, two females and one male, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. 
In spite of their name, white and black rhinoceroses are actually gray, and the reason we call them what we call them is because the white rhino's name is taken from an Afrikaans word, which is white, W-E-I-T, which means wide, and describes its mouth. And early English settlers in South Africa misinterpreted the Afrikaans word for white, W-H-I-T-E, and so that's why we call them the white rhino. It's not because they're white, because they obviously aren't. <laughs> wow. And uh, black rhinos probably got their name from the dark mud in their wallows that made them appear black in color, but they're both pretty much gray. So yeah, I wow. That would be interesting to learn. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. There used to be millions of them in the 1970s. Yep. Just so we're clear on how it's like a 96% population uh, destruction in just since the 1970s. So Yeah, and, and don't get us started on trophy hunting either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the deal. Well, today we're going to talk about the reason that they are hunted a lot, and that is their horn. The rhino's horn has been the subject of a lot of mystical mumbo-jumbo for a long time. Um, that they think that it works in medicine for different reasons, and it, it doesn't. Uh, rhino horns are made out of keratin, which is the same stuff that your fingernails and hair is made out of. So it's, it's not going to do anything except uh, be a rhino horn that's useless because it's no longer on a rhino if you take it off. So um, let's talk about what it's really for. I found a really interesting article where scientists have been studying the rhino horns. So rhino horns are used for defense quite a bit, but in a way we sort of don't understand what they're completely used for because when male bull rhinos are fighting, they will often bite each other. They'll use their teeth, and they can they can do quite a bit of damage that way. So, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, yeah. So they've been studying it and trying to figure out, you know, what's the internal structure of the rhino horn, etc. And so this is what they found out from some new scans. They examined the heads of rhinos that had died of natural causes, so no poached rhinos were... were used in this study and all of these were donated um, by zoos and things like that they conducted ct scans on the horns and found that there are dense mineral mineral deposits of calcium and melanin in the middle of the horn so the calcium deposits make the horn harder and stronger and the melanin protects the core from breakdown by the sun's uv rays so oh wow yeah, so the softer outer portion of the horn weakens with sun exposure and is worn into that distinct, distinctive shape through horn clashing and being rubbed on the ground and vegetation. And so the structure is similar to, you should pi picture it like a pencil, a tough lead core with the weaker wood on the outside, and it allows the horns to be honed into a sharp point. So this study ends the speculation that the horn was just a clump of modified hair. So this is pretty cool. Very One of the scientists said, The horns most closely resemble the structure of a horse's hoof, turtle beak, and cockatoo bill. This might be related to the strength of these materials, um, though they have to do more research. 
So they found also that the melanin and calcium patches appear in yearly growth surges, but the effects of temperature, diet, and stress on the growth are not known. And the results of the HORN study may be of interest to conservation groups whose goal is to strengthen the rhino population and reduce the poaching of horn for the black market. And he says, ultimately, we think our findings will help dispel some of the folk wisdom attached to the horn. And the more we can learn about it, the better we can understand and manage rhino populations. And so, yeah, really interesting. It's not just a big, hard clump of hair. It actually has a really solid core of calcium and melanin at the at the center, which that that explains how it can just stay that hard and everything. So. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the horn probably has a whole bunch of functions. It's probably a visual cue to other rhinos about the that rhino's health, te- uh, general temperament. Who knows? I mean, there's just not been enough study for on, on behavior for them to say one way or the other. But, yeah, it is partially used for defense, but it's probably used for a lot of other things as well. So. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's not just one big long fingernail. It's a it's its own thing. It's its own thing. <laughs> yeah. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about pigs. Yes. And rhinos and pigs have something in common. Ooh, what's that? Rhinos also have big, round, mostly hairless bodies, and they don't have any sweat glands, ah. or very few sweat glands. Ah, cool. So the rhinos, just like the pigs, they have to roll around in mud and they have to keep themselves coated because they also can get sunburns and they have problems with biting insects. The rhino's skin looks like armor. And like I think the Indian rhinos actually look like they're armor-plated. They're really cool. Yeah, I watched a documentary about them yesterday. And there's a myth that rhino skin is bulletproof. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely not that. Across all species, rhino skin is anywhere from about a half an inch to two inches thick, or between one and a half and five centimeters thick. And it's made up of layers of collagen that are arranged in a lattice-type structure, so it's really good at handling blunt objects like branches and and rocks and the horns of other rhinos. It can, it can withstand that without breaking but it cannot withstand a bullet or a biting insect. So even though that skin is thick and it looks like armor, it's very, very sensitive. And so rhinos will frequently scratch themselves on trees and rocks. While they're foraging in in the bushes and in the woods, they pick up a lot of ticks. Yep. So unlike pigs, rhinos have a little bit of help. And that comes in the form of birds called oxpeckers. Now, African rhinos and oxpeckers share a symbiotic relationship that was once described as mutualistic, where what that means is that both animals benefit equally from the relationship. But recent research indicates that the relationship is a little more complex than that. The the two animals aren't entirely equal, and the bird gets the better end of the deal. So... When the rhino wanders around in the bush, it picks up a bunch of ticks, and then the oxpeckers land on the rhino and they eat the ticks, which is great. They also provide the rhino with an alarm system so that if predators are approaching, the rhino will hear the alarm and hopefully run away or do something. And if you're interested, here's what that sounds like. (laughs) 
okay, enough of that. <laughs> so researchers have taken a closer look at what these oxpeckers are actually doing and finding that sometimes if they've eaten all the ticks and all the bugs on the rhino, they'll start picking at the wounds that are healing because they really like blood and they'll cause the animal to bleed and they'll drink the blood. So that means the relationship of the bird to the rhino can become parasitic. And oxpeckers, they do target other animals too. If you watch any kind of nature video from Africa and you see buffalo or giraffe or even lions sometimes, you'll see all these little birds swarming around them, climbing on their face, climbing on their bodies. Those are oxpeckers. So rhino skin, they get a little help from the birds. It's tough, it's adorable, it's strong, but it has a kind of a sensitive side as well. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So we have a place here in Florida called Lion Country Safari, and it is a zoo that you drive through. You are actually the one in the cage, and the, 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 the animals are kind of in very, very large outdoor enclosures that, that you drive through, and they're, they have fences around them and stuff. And we were told when we were driving through, particularly in the rhino part of the, the safari, to keep your doors closed, don't stop, because the rhino will come up to your car and try to open your car door with its mouth to, to get any snacks or anything that might be inside. Mm -hmm. And that they have a particular problem with the rhinos trying to manipulate the locks and the chains in the enclosures to, to get free. <laughs> so that's purely anecdotal. That's what I heard. That's what I was told. I don't have any science to go along with that. So I think rhinos are probably a little maybe smarter than I originally gave them credit for? Maybe right. a seven? Well, are they as smart as a pig? Because that's what you said pigs were. Seven. I would say as smart as a pig, sure. Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was distracted by videos of cute baby rhinos doing various <laughs> things when I was starting to research the intelligence part of it, and I was sick with this cold, which was pretty bad for, like, the whole last week, and I barely, I, I barely managed to get anything done, so I didn't, I didn't look deeply into the question of intelligence. I got distracted by baby rhinos being cute. Have you seen the video of the baby rhino playing in the shower sprinkler at the zoo yes <laughs> oh my gosh it's awesome <laughs> you know, he's having such a good time Wee! i love the water he's so cute they're so, cool looking animals they're just big tankish looking awesome creatures I they are them. and the babies are mini tanks they're so cute um <laughs> But I have a I have an anecdotal story as well. When I was went to San Diego Zoo, we also went to the wildlife park, and that was a similar thing to what you're describing. You drive through, and the cage is around you, and you're in the back of a. We were in the back of a big pickup truck, basically like a gigantic truck, and we the giraffes and the rhinos share an environment out there, and we went out to feed the rhinos and and the giraffes and. The rhinos got apples and the giraffes got cookies of some sort, little giraffe cookies. And the 
zoo keepers that were talking about the rhinos and taking us around the place and everything, they were like, okay, well, the rhinos, they're going to approach the truck and we're going to just be really careful to keep them away from the truck itself, from the body of the truck, because the there's a couple of the rhinos that like to scratch their noses on the side of the truck. <laughs> and they will flip the truck over if we do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so. They must have learned that the hard way, at yeah. least once. <laughs> so I don't know if that says anything about their intelligence, but it's but I, I, I don't know. This seemed like the good best time to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think they're probably pretty smart. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Why not? Six sure. or seven. <laughs> I don't know. It's so subjective. Who cares? <laughs> they don't. They're as smart as they need to be, right? So exactly. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk about rhinos and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this message. What's up, peeps? This is Gerald, the host of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm going to tell you where to find us at the end of this quick clip. Here's me and my partner Andy as we discuss aliens and ghosts. You do, dude. You believe you in ghosts? You know how big? Do you believe in ghosts? I believe that we interpret. Uh, I know you believe in spirits. Spiritual. Well, you don't want to get into this. Okay, it'll be a very long. It'll be next week's show. Now, I don't believe in ET landing, and no, I don't believe in uh, mummies being raised from the dead. I believe that there is a spiritual dimension that we personify as ghosts, but I don't believe in ghosts per se. Now, aliens. So there's like hauntings and the, stuff. You, no, no. So, it's different. So it's, when you're a ghost, what do you, you just like? Can you're you not still, a ghost. This is not. I don't, oh. believe, I don't believe in ghosts that way. No. You're a spirit. Yes. No. No. Can you see people on Earth if you're a spirit? I mean, I don't know. This is deep for me. Do you really want to hear deep. it? No, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, don't I mean, do. I do want to hear it, but I guess we can do it off. Here. I don't think so. You do. So, uh, but uh, do you believe aliens? In aliens. aliens. Let's let's stick okay. to aliens. Right. Um, Crop circles, all that stuff. The, no, because you I don't mean, believe in that either. The universe. You think that's a John aliens hasn't. Aliens haven't come to Earth yet. John Deere didn't do that. Here's the thing, bro. Okay. Here's the thing. The universe is a pretty big place well, with a lot something. of different <laughs> I thought you passed out of life <laughs> this is the so universe deep. is a pretty <laughs> big place this is so deep for you pass out halfway through it right, the universe me. is so large that A there has alright guys make sure you find Gerald and Andy two peas on a podcast go to iTunes or Apple podcast and search two peas on a podcast or follow us on Twitter two peas on a pod you can also go to our website and find all of our contact information it's two peas on a pod and now for something completely different. Hey, you know, Donna and me, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And I am going to start with Spider-Man's nemesis, Rhino. <laughs> Rhino is a fictional Marvel comic supervillain. He is almost always the nemesis of Spider-Man. More than one character has assumed the identity of the Rhino. And the character primarily associated with that identity is Alexei Sitsevich, who was created by writer Stan Lee. And Rhino first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 41, which was published in October of 1966. Rhino's abilities do not include his intelligence. Uh, the writer Mike Conroy said that Rhino is famously one of Spider-Man's dimmest villains. So the typical backstory is that Alexei Sitsevich is a thug for hire who volunteers to participate in an experiment that bonds a, a super strong polymer to his skin, which increases his speed and strength. So Rhino is typically shown wearing a full body gray, sort of a skin tight jumpsuit that covers all but his face. 
Usually there are a couple of horns on the head of the suit, which is a little on the nose. His powers and abilities are basically running into things and breaking things. That's what he does. He's big huh. and strong and fast and he breaks stuff. Hmm. He is notorious, however, for his lack of agility and slow reaction time. And this makes it nearly impossible for him to change direction when running at such high speeds, and it sometimes causes him to miss his target and collide with the wrong object. So not only is he not very intelligent, all you have to do really is just make him run into the wrong thing. So how does he get to be a nemesis of Spider-Man then? He, he's just a... He's not really... Like, he's sort of a supervillain. I guess he's a supervillain, but he's more of an annoyance. <laughs> like, he's not a very... Like, most villains have control over something. Like, like Green Goblin has control over technology, and that's what he uses. And Electro has control over electricity, and that's what he uses. And Rhino is just a big lumbering fool. <laughs> so I never liked Rhino at all. <laughs> I never even heard of him. You never even heard of You might mm. recognize him if you see him. So here's Rhino in the 2014 movie The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was also terrible. And he <laughs> was portrayed by the great actor Paul Giamatti. Oh, why did you do this, Paul Giamatti? Yeah, I think he had boat payments to make or something. So here's a little clip of that movie. <laughs> I'm going to take care of this, Jake. You go take care of your mom, okay? All right, get out of here. Go. Go. You'll fight me! You'll fight me now! Uh. On behalf of the fine people of New York City and real rhinos everywhere, I ask you to put your mechanized paws in the air. Never! I crash so I kill you! I destroy you! You want me to come down there so you can kill me? Yes! I'll be right there. Ah, there's no place like home. Old Paul Giamatti just being as scenery-chewing hammy as he can be. <laughs> uh, apart from what I think of that movie, Rhino has never really been one of my favorite supervillains by a long shot, but he still pops up wherever Spider-Man does in television, video games, toys, comics, just about everywhere. Huh. Yep. Yep, I no, I, I never saw that Spider-Man movie, so... Yep. Yeah. Your pop Ooh. culture pick is far more... Uh, erudite than mine <laughs> uh, does it even qualify as pop culture I don't know right. eh, maybe why not <laughs> it's a really good documentary it is um, so what I want to send you guys to and I'm going to put it in the show notes so I'm going to put a link right to it in the show notes because it's on YouTube is a documentary called um, Mikomazi the Rhino and it is wonderful it's about the sort of revamping of a rhino sanctuary in uh, Tanzania. And the voice that you're going to hear on the little clip that I pulled out is right from the beginning. But the voice you'll probably recognize is a man called Edward Fox. He is best known for Day of the Jackal and A Bridge Too Far, which are both movies that are done in the 70s. But 
he's been in tons of stuff, and so he's one of those character actors, one of those that guy actors. When you hear his voice, you're going to be like, oh, that guy, I know that guy. <laughs> yep. Um, the first thing I remember seeing him in uh, would be the Foils Wars series. In season one, he played um, he played Foils' boss, his, his, uh, his superior. So... You'll recognize the voice he's also been in. I'm trying to look over the list. He was in Gandhi. The 1991 Robin Hood, he was Prince John. Not the not the big movie, but like a television thing, I think. He was in Daniel Deronda, Agatha Christie's Poirot, Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, The Midsummer Murders, Inspector Lewis, Decline of an Empire, and he's currently playing Horace Delaney in a TV show called Taboo, which is running right now. So um, you will recognize his voice if you haven't been living under a rock, which, um, of course, <laughs> um, I live under a rock a lot of the time, too, so it's, it's not a criticism, I'm just saying. So. But here's the, uh, here's, the exam- here's the sample. Mazi lies in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro on the northern boundary of Tanzania. Its name means the place of no water. game reserve since 1951. It was ruined almost beyond redemption by poaching and overgrazing during the 70s and 80s. In 1988, the Tanzanian government invited Tony Fitzjohn to restore the habitat and its wildlife. Among his first moves was to establish a fenced area within the reserve, enclosing what was to become the Mugumazi Rhino Sanctuary. I want that voice. I think Isn't you, he amazing? I think you yeah. have to be from England and you have to do a lot of Shakespeare to get that voice. <laughs> I don't know, but he's got the best He's got the best accent ever. Oh, it's amazing. The northern side of Gianzunia. <laughs> I can't even do it, but it's <laughs> fabulous. I love his voice. Uh, I was watching the documentary and I was like, I know that. Is that Edward Fox? Because... I've heard him in other things, and I was like, oh, is that Edward Fox? And then I go and find out, it is score, yay, it is <laughs> I love it when that happens. Yeah. So he's a, he's a really good narrator, and this documentary is just super interesting. You'll learn all sorts of stuff about rhinos and about rhino, the crisis that they're in, and oh, the terrible, terrible stuff that they've been through. Um, but, you know, this is at least a positive look at some people that are really trying to make a difference and it's a really solid piece of television so do go watch cool i would yeah i will watch it again parents you need to watch this with your kids don't let them watch it on their own um because you know some of the concepts in here are pretty neat explaining i don't remember it being particularly gory i don't think they have a lot of dead rhinos or anything in it i don't don't remember that happening but you know they're using tranquilizer darts on the big rhinos and 
sometimes they look like they're in a little bit of distress and you know it would be good if the parent was there to just sort of explain to the child what's going on and they're they're not trying to hurt the animals and stuff like that so yeah absolutely yeah all right we got to do this here's some jokey food and drink items which i've acquired recently each of them i suppose would go on a table or in the kitchen i i can't imagine any scenario where i'm eating a rhino nope no As our friend Vanessa from England would say, crashing on. (laughs) Yeah, let's go on to this. (laughs) Donna, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yes, but not today. Oh no, well, that's okay. Let's help everybody try to win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Dude, please. So we talked a little bit earlier about how rhinos are a target of poachers at the beginning of the show and as Donna mentioned their horns are believed to have medicinal value in 2016 1,054 rhinos were killed illegally so that's like 4% of the world's rhinos gone in just one year now if 4% doesn't sound like a whole lot I'll put it this way if 4% of the world's population were to just poof disappear that's 360 million people. Yeah. And the, the only countries that have a population of more than 360 million people are China and India. So yep. something to wrap your brain around there. Yep. Now, there are several anti-poaching organizations. They're mostly in Africa. They rely on armed volunteers and local communities. And as you can imagine, that is very, very dangerous work. And many of these organizations will tell you right up front that you could die doing this. But here's some good news. There are many technological tactics that are being used to deter poaching. So drones are already being re- already being used. Uh, infrared cameras are being used. Conservationists are working on ways to embed GPS tracking devices and even cameras into rhino horns to deter or even catch poachers. At least four biotech companies are working on 3D printing rhino horns that are correct to the molecular level so that they can flood the market and drive the price down. Now, the problem with that is that conservationists don't want anyone to think that there is good rhino horns to buy and bad rhino horns to buy. All rhino horns are bad. Yep. So that's kind of not a really popular solution. Another venture is working on building biomimetic robotic rhinos to place into herds to protect them. Robo-rhinos. Huh. The Ramacara would run on a long-lasting hydrogen fuel cell and use hydraulics and servo motors to move its limbs. It would carry an internal navigation unit to return to a base when it was when it became necessary for upgrades and repairs and things like that. Infrared cameras and other sensors would let it keep up with its real-life herdmates and track and record human activity. The Ramacara's body would be covered with artificial skin and scent to increase its chance of getting accepted as an unusual friend of the herd. But that is still in development, and a lot of these things are might work, might not work. But the best defense against any poaching of any animal, really, is educating people that the medicinal value of rhino horns, as Donna mentioned, they're made out of keratin. They have a little bit of calcium in them and a little bit of melanin in them. But but as far as health benefits, zero. So that's been... 
ongoing and and they're trying really really hard to save the rhinos because there's so very few of them left yep you know what a robotic rhino can't do no take a big poop (laughs) 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 yeah it would definitely limit their ability to communicate with other rhinos because it turns out rhinos use poo piles as a social network (laughs) (laughs) it's weird it's like i was thinking about this this morning Natural selection either gives you really good eyesight or really good hearing or a really good sense of smell and maybe two out of the three, but never three out of the three. (laughs) Uh, Well, apparently white rhinoceroses have been found to to do their Facebooks on their poo. (laughs) So there's chemical clues in white rhino poo that provide information about the age, sex, general health, and reproductive status of the animal to other rhinos. Wow. With that visit a communal latrine, which is called a midden. And the scientist says, we think of dung as just a waste product, but it's a really good way for animals to communicate. There's a lot of information there that we haven't taken advantage of. This is uh, Courtney Marnowek, an ecology PhD student at the University of KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Lots of animals can detect chemicals in urine and feces to learn what's going on in other members of their species, and that's why um, our dogs constantly sniff the fire hydrant. We call it answering the pee mail (laughs) when we take the dogs out. Um, other species get their <laughs> gossips from middens too. So there's like monkeys and rabbits and all this kind of stuff. But this is the first time they've been able to con- confirm it in rhinos. Wow. So they tracked more than 200 individual white rhinos in South Africa from different populations and took samples of their poop after the animals visited their middens. And this allowed the team to see what each individual contributed to the sample. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking because <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw a video of this and when a rhino goes it's like somebody opened the valve on a giant poop faucet I like they ah. just go and go and go and go <laughs> <laughs> they're like alrighty let's get the newspaper and settle down <laughs> oh, oh. So they said finding the middens is easy because they're so big. (laughs) They trample along well-used paths and they don't travel very far when nature calls. And they said, what's more, the middens are 65 feet across. (laughs) (laughs) But she says um, they don't don't actually smell that bad because rhino dung is mostly just grass, right? Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. (laughs) They analyzed the chemical makeup of the rhino's dung, and they found that feces of various ages and sexes, such as young animals, dominant males, and females in estrus, carry different chemical clues. And then they created a fake poop from the grass and mud and spritzed it with the same compounds found in the dung of these three different groups. And they deposited the imposter poo in a randomly selected minimum and observed how dominant males responded to it. So what they found was that males were really responsive to the fake poo that carried chemicals from the females that were ready to mate. And they spent more time sniffing it than the other rhinos did. 
and visited the midden more frequently, looking for the ladies. So they were catfishing the rhinos. (laughs) Yeah, they were. (laughs) It was all for science, though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But they also defecated on top of the poo. So... They're like leaving a message for the ladies. Hey there, I saw your picture on Pooh Book. And, uh, I think we should get together for coffee sometime. What do you think? You know? So. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, really cool. And uh, But she says it's important for them to communicate between separate populations of the same species. So, sure. Yeah. That's definitely is Rhino Facebook is poo, poo book. Yeah. It's Rhino Tinder, you know. <laughs> like swiping right oh. or whatever is what you poop on when you leave a poop. You're like, yeah, let's get together. <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. Rhinos are awesome. They are so cool. They are. Oh, well. Also, you can have a rhino pet of in World of Warcraft. Just you know, like oh, woolly oh rhinos. I was going to say, yeah, in real life, I don't think that would be possible or very no. like. But in, in in World of Warcraft, you can have a little battle pet, a woolly rhino, little miniature guy. Cool. And then if you are a hunter with the Beastmaster specialty, you can have a woolly rhino for a hunter pet. And they are awesome. Very cool. Yeah, mine is called Bin, and he is, I love his animation because he's like, he does this thing where he's like, rage, and he wags his head all over the place and bashes things, and it's really fun. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Varmints Podcast. Once again, the Varmints Podcast is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod, as always. Thank you, guys. And by you, the Patreon supporter, thank you so much for giving a dollar or two every month to Blazing Caribou Studios. We really, really do appreciate that. On our regret corner this week, Farah has something to say about rhinos. So what do you know about rhinos, Farah? They have a horn, and they are gray. All right. Um, do you know where they live primarily? Like what continent or what kind of environment? Asia. <laughs> a- a- okay, you're gonna go with Asia. No, I think. No, I think they live somewhere hot. Okay. Because because why would you roll in mud and water? I, I think you're. I okay. still think of hippo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we're going to go with Africa. Africa? Yeah, Africa. Okay. Not Asia, but Africa. No, definitely not Asia, no. That's pandas. Okay. All right. Did you, would you consider a rhino a unicorn, since it has one horn on its head? Like no. a unicorn? Why no. not? Because I will establish right now, unicorns have the majestic power of happiness, rainbows, and unicorn poop. <laughs> <laughs> it's rainbow too, by the way. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to tell us about rhinos? No, I think the only creature that I would be into would be a unicorn or a panda. A panda corn. Alright. <laughs> a panda corn. 
I guess I need to get in and make a pandacorn, and that'll be along with my, uh, my hippopegasus and, uh, <laughs> panda bee. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Farah, and thank you to, uh, Justin from the Zing, this podcast. We really do appreciate that. And thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time. Be nice to animals, especially rhinos. They really need you to be nice to them. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.